Welcome to a new edition of the Neon Jazz Interview Series with New Orleans-based jazz singer Carmela Rapazzo. She opened up about her seventh recording, Love and Other Difficulties, where she explores the many aspects of love. Born and raised in upstate New York, she heard classical music at a very early age. She moved to New York City, singing in clubs and performing in off-Broadway theater and a few independent films before moving to Los Angeles. Her story is fascinating. Enjoy. Thanks for taking a minute out for Neon Jazz. I appreciate it. Oh, it's my complete pleasure. We're friends on Facebook now. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I noticed that. Yeah, it's wonderful. My first question to you is, probably there's been so many song titles and album titles that have probably encapsulated what we've lived through over the last year and a half or so and love and other difficulties is probably something that would be very applicable talk to me about your latest work and what it, what it feels like for it to come out now during this time where there's been such an absence of live music and um you know just traditional interaction with fans it has been challenging but at the same time, a lot of this project was born during the pandemic. So some of the music I had already begun to write and work on before it all kind of went where we are. But during, in the course of the pandemic, it was, it was very odd for me. There were things I could not focus on the entire time we were in lockdown. I could barely sit and read a book, but I could sit at my piano and work out ideas. And so on some level, it was a huge distraction. And on another level, it was a very um, fruitful time for me. I don't usually write love songs. I usually write uh, uh, kind of odd music and so it was also a period where I was reevaluating relationships and uh, and people and ideas that were a part of an important part of my life I think that here in New Orleans music is such a, an important part of our culture there's music everywhere here there's music coming out of people's homes as you walk down the street there's music being performed on the street there's clubs everywhere and to not have had that for that long period of time I mean we're really we were really just starting to reopen up down here and now we're sort of starting to shut back down again but to not have had that available to us as musicians here we all had to kind of turn inward more so than I think musicians usually are. So it was a challenging and inspiring. <laughs> I got a lot of work done, and yet at the same time, there, there weren't a lot of places to go out and test the material either. I, a lot of people here, when you write, you go out, and you perform the songs long before you record them. And we did some live streaming where we would drop a tune in here and there, but for the most part, most of the live streaming we were doing were jazz standards because we were doing them for people, our audience, our fans, our friends, who just needed that, that sense of comfort, I guess you'd call it. 
And now putting a record out, it's a completely different experience than it's ever been before. I mean, in the past, you get some dates, you put the record out, you perform the record, you sell CDs, you sell downloads, and it's completely a different world right now for me with regard to that as well. So I have gigs coming up that might not happen. I have some gigs coming up that now have turned into streaming gigs for the record. The New Orleans Jazz Museum here is so supportive and they are allowing me to stream, you know, in in their um, facility a gig that was normally going to be a gig. <laughs> so it's it's all adjusting. It's constantly adjusting right now to a new way of making music. You've been around. You're originally from New York. Talk to me a little bit about your beginnings and how music became your life. I grew up in upstate New York, and my dad, before I was born, was a swing musician. He played in, in big bands, as did, um, I think, seven of his brothers and and his sister. They were all swing musicians. And when we were growing up, you know, my when my family was around, the events always included music. They always made music. I also started going to Broadway shows when I was really young. My parents were heavily into Broadway shows. And I got into the Great American Songbook in a way through that you know, watching shows, seeing shows, hearing the sound, the soundtracks from the shows, the Broadway cast albums being played in the house. And then when, when I was really young, my sister, who was much older than I, gave me a Stan Getz record. And then I discovered Miles Davis. And then the most important set of songbooks that I got were the Ella Fitzgerald American songbook record. It, it opened up a world for me, but at a time when it, I I couldn't really, none of my friends were into that kind of music. Uh, but in New York, when I was, again, young, I started performing and sitting in and you could do these showcases and I participated in all of that. It was in New York was a completely different world then than it is now. It was there was a, culturally there were there were a lot. It was a more affordable place to live. It was a more dangerous place to live. Um, there was a lot a lot going on that was fun and interesting, and you would meet people who were playing music, and and they would just invite you to come and sing with them, and it was. It was just such a great time. So that was my very early beginnings. Uh, and then I took some time off from it all. And when I got back into it, I got back into it in New York and then moved to Los Angeles and got very heavily involved in the jazz scene there. It always has been a part of my life. Music has always been a part of my life. Uh, writing is, I guess, only the last, I want to say 15 years maybe, where I started writing my own tunes. Um, I certainly didn't know I had it in me when I was younger. 
What was the first live show you saw that really made you think that's something that you wanted to dedicate your life to? I often say the nicest thing my father ever did for me was when I was eight years old, he took me to see Ray Charles. It blew me away. It completely blew me away. It was in a big um, ballroom. It was like people were dancing. It wasn't a sit-down concert. It was just this incredible gathering of people enjoying the music, dancing, having a good time. Ray Charles with this huge band and a full backup group. It was, it really made an impression on me at eight years old, for sure. I don't know if that's what got me to think I could dedicate my life to it, but that certainly inspired me to go more in the direction of of that that form of music of you know the great 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 performers in um both jazz and it, uh, what do we you know Ray Charles black american music i mean it was just completely inspiring i can picture it and get chills even now it's really that's an impression <laughs> well you know you've had other geographical experiences that really probably were full of growth like L.A., and there was a mention of Rob Reiner and other directors that you were involved with, New Mexico, and being involved in theater. How did these formative experiences lead you to New Orleans and kind of move you along this path that you've ended up at right now? When I was young, I, I went to acting school in New York, and when we were in, and I would perform in theater in New York, and I, would perf- I did a couple of um, independent movies, and ironically, and people think this is odd i when we got to la i saw it as my quote-unquote fallback job (laughs) you know like i like oh well i can get a job in the movies as an actor you know not a big part but enough to make some money and continue to play jazz (laughs) but um because you know that great joke what does the jazz musician do when they win the lottery? You know, they keep playing till the money runs out. To me, that was a part of that. And then, and living in LA was never an ideal for me. I went, I'm married. We went there because there was work. There were, you know, there was music work. We're both musicians. There was acting work. We went there and I complained almost daily for the 14 years that we lived there. And when we left, we were going to come to New Orleans. It was 2005, and Katrina happened here. And the few people I did know here just said, you know, don't come, don't come. And we were already on our way, So, and we knew New Mexico well. And New Mexico was where we landed. In We were in New Mexico for five years, and again, in the music scene to an extent, but I was going back to L.A., going to New York to play, playing in other cities. And we went back to New York because, again, the music, we were looking for to play music. You know, we both wanted to go back to working and playing music full time. And New Mexico didn't have that for us. But when we got to New York, it was a, it was a very different scene. And my husband came down to New Orleans to check it out and called me on the phone and said, we're moving here. <laughs> this is where we should have come a long time ago. And when we arrived here, 
it was New Orleans just opens its arms and pulls you in. The generosity of musicians here, I was invited to sit in immediately. I had gigs right away. I've had steady gigs on and off here. It's a music city. It's a music town. And the generosity of spirit here is like no other city I've ever been in. Um, New Orleans. New Orleans is the first place I've ever really felt at home. I am home here. I don't know how else to describe it. It's a city yeah. full of heart. Well, and I guess speaking of home, what do you like the best about waking up every day knowing that you get to be a musician and a performer? I feel so grateful and lucky to be able to wake up every day and do exactly that. And to have the people that I can collaborate with here, every day it's an adventure on some level. You know, there's, it's amazing who you run into and who you get to play with here. I'm just, I just feel so grateful, so lucky. We, we, you know, the hurricanes are a little inconvenient. <laughs> yeah. But, but you know, we knock wood. You know, we're so far today we haven't had one. <laughs> right on. Everyone has a perception or an idea of who they think you are: your family, your friends, your fans. But ultimately, you live your life. Who do you think you are? <laughs> That's yet to be revealed. <laughs> <laughs> I am. Um, I think I'm just a, a a human being in a world full of struggling human beings trying to fulfill some sort of path to happy destiny. Beautiful. That's great. Hey, thank you for taking some time out today to talk about the new album, to talk about your life and music. I appreciate it. Good luck with everything. Thank you so much, Joe. It's been such a pleasure to be here with you. Thanks for listening and tuning in to another Neon Jazz interview where we give you a bit of insight into the finest players and minds and singers in New York, L.A., New Orleans, Kansas City, and spots all over the world giving fans all that jazz. Thanks to Carmela for her time, music, and story. If you want to hear more interviews, go to Famous Interviews with Joe Domino in the iTunes store. Visit Neon Jazz at YouTube.com and for everything Neon Jazz all the time, go to the neonjazz.blogspot.com. Until next time, enjoy the jazz, my friends. Anywhere, won't you lead me there? Neon Jazz.